Before we start this show, just a word from our sponsor. 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest that pro wrestling has had to offer. Along with their awesome line of pro wrestling apparel, they do offer many services. In the world of wrestling, there are hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads. Don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. If you would like to discuss possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or whatever, drop them a line. Go to 20 by 20 apparel. That's the number 20 X, the number 20 apparel.com. Now let's get to the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bum me, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yelling what it goes. You see me shining like a suit on puffy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kicks, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my asses. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And on Fresh of the Word, we like to deliver wisdom through great stories from the minds of bright creators of pop culture. Through those stories, we like to dissect the journey of our guests and present actionable lessons and advice for our listeners, no matter what career or avenue of artistry they pursue. This episode's guest is Jason Alon Butler, vocalist of the band Fever333. Formerly in the band Let Live, Butler has started a new chapter of his life with the new project, Fever 333, with their full-length debut, Strength in Numbers, out now on Roadrunner Records. Butler's words are not only a call to arms about the society that we're living in, but also contain hope. And during our interview, we talked about the struggles growing up in Inglewood, California, why and how the Fever 333 project started, his musical upbringing, and finding ways for all of our voices to be heard. Before we get into this interview, I definitely want to give a shout out to Knox Money, Bang Belushi, and Foulmouth for the theme music for Fresh is the Word. And also, just want to remind you how you can support the podcast. You can always go to freshofthepodcast.com and share any links for any of the episodes on any of your social media platforms. And you can also subscribe to Fresh is the Word pretty much anywhere that podcasts are stream and that does include places like apple podcast stitcher radio spotify podbean pretty much everywhere just uh give us an old subscribe and if you uh feel much inclined 
uh, give us a rating and review on those, especially on Apple Podcasts. It would definitely help getting the, getting the word out there about Fresh of the Word. And if you want to hit me up, you can always email me at djkfresh at gmail.com. For any questions, concerns, anything you want to send me, that'd be great. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at kfreshistheword and on Facebook at facebook.com slash kfresh. You can follow Fresh is the Word on Twitter at Fresh is the Word, and that's Fresh is, is, I-Z, the Word. On Instagram at Fresh is the Word Podcast, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Fresh is the Podcast. All right, let's get into the interview with Jason Alon Butler of the band Fever 333. Yeah, over the past year, I've been hearing, you know, um, just people, you know, starting to talk about... Uh, um, your new band and I was like okay I'm in a, and I finally got around to checking you guys out and I'm like holy shit this is my type of band oh I'm, thanks man I'm super excited I'm super excited after you know everybody you know in this band has been in other bands before you know not only how did this new band happen why did it happen uh, you know I mean I really think that it was it was just a reaction to what was going on, right? Like without being too on the nose, clearly like ever since the ushering in of a new administration and the polarizing view of both politics and culture has been just so glaring that for me to stand back as an artist um, and also, you know, so a person of color, someone who rides a very unique sort of line between being biracial um, in America and, and the way I've understand, the way I understand and the way I've observed it my whole life and then also studying and informing myself um, to the point where I can't be lied to. You know, I felt like it was, um, for me, I felt very compelled to to offer what I know and what I've experienced as a sort of uh, an, a, a, an opportunity to help people understand uh, in, in efforts to close that gap that seems to be widening between people and culture, uh, not only in America, but, but also uh, just globally. Were you were you feeling a new energy with this new project in comparison to your time with Let Live? Yeah, 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 man. I mean, um, for you, for 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 anybody who wants to be, um, you know, in in the I guess considered an activist and who wants to be, who wants to activate and wants to who wants to try to push forward for uh, social change and affect culture in that way, it's a very very intense job. It's a, or, or or I guess an intense effort. And for me to ask everyone that was involved in Let Live, both band and team, to kind of embark on this journey with me would be a lot to ask. And, and I don't believe that everybody, you know, feels the same way about these things. And I don't think that, you know, necessarily it's their obligation to feel the same way as I did. So when I went to this project, um, it was I was very encouraged to speak the way I speak, say the things I say, play the music I'm playing. I was very encouraged to, uh, you know, really open up this side of myself and be very transparent with how I feel about these issues. So because of that, um, every, all the bits of support from the boys in my band with me to uh, the other two pieces of the collective, Travis Barker and John Feldman, to my management, to our label, um, everybody seems very, very uh, invested in what it is you know, I'm talking about. And there is absolutely a, a very different type of energy, and I'm very thankful for that energy. When talking about that sort of journey and having other people coming along for it. How, you know, how did you approach these other people that you're involved with now? You know, you have Steven Harrison, you have Eric and Prompto in, in the uh, band right now. How did you sort of uh, 
approach this uh, this new project, and what do those guys bring to the table in regards to having this trio of people in this new project? You know, man, <clears throat> I told them, you know, I told them straight up what it was. I told them what it wasn't going to be, and I told them everything that I had believed, you know, was was possible uh, for, for for a band like this and for for artists in general to accomplish, um, especially currently in today's climate. And that's what I presented to them. I was very honest. I was very, again, very transparent um, about the activism. I was very transparent about the idea of, of affecting change uh, culturally. And because of that, they got a very clear idea of what it is that they were, you know, signing up for. And not only did they, you know, agree to it, but they, they uh, willingly, but they also came with a sense of fire and, and, and their own experiences and their own talents and their own sense of, of representation for this this project that only made it you know even more powerful than I had really anticipated. So they bring everything from again even even if we for the most part we all kind of sit on the same wave as far as um, you know ideals, but there are differences. There there is disparity between us, and I think that's what helps us have the discourse and have the discussions that are necessary in order to really understand a much uh, larger spectrum of issues. And we even between uh, us three in the band, and then again between us three in the band and the other two parts of the collective, John and Travis. I think between all of that, it really does open up our minds and also um, our uh, efforts in trying to create something that speaks to more than just one person. How do you go about having those discussions when you have you know so many people that you know you do have disparities about re regards to your backgrounds? How do you go about having those discussions? and being open-minded about them? Mm. I think that you just have to, to, to first facilitate a comfortable forum for people to have those conversations. I think that people need to feel comfortable and respected in, enough to, to speak their mind and to speak their truth because a sense of vulnerability that comes along with that that can be very confronting. And so what we do is we respect each other just initially, the, at the very beginning of any conversation, or, or emotion is a, is a sense of respect. And also we do try to understand where this person is coming from. We try to understand their perspective while still maintaining our own agency, knowing that that's okay and knowing that discourse is actually healthy and that it helps move the conversation forward in order to have all these various different ideas, cultures, practices, politics, um, you know, enable to, in, in efforts to coexist, we have to first try to understand beyond one's own self. How do you go about making sure that what you're producing, the music that's coming out, what you're saying comes off as genuine and people are not going to, you know, think you're posers or anything like that? I mean, you just got to keep it 100, 100 percent of the time with that shit. Like you got to walk the walk if you're going to talk, talk. And, um, you know, you got to you got to demonstrate these things in your life as well, not just on, on wax and uh you can you should only be speaking on things that you understand or that you've experienced yourself that are authentic uh, to you that are endemic to you and your experience in your life and everything that we discuss everything we talk about is just from experience or it's from you know very very long concentrated observations uh, throughout history and society and to be 100 also like if you worry about people thinking whether or not you're faking the funk like that's the that you're already taking a misstep if you worry about whether or not people believe you or not because you got to know that you you got to believe you <laughs> right to, to begin with so 
Um, you know what I mean? Like that's it. And, and, and all I, all I'm ever trying to do is just really, I got, you got to keep it 100 with yourself first. And, uh, that's, I think that that's kind of the, the primary method in making sure that you can, you can try to at least be perceived as authentic. When you kind of look back in your life, were, you know, was there a point when you realized that you have a platform, you have a voice where you can, you know, share your, you know, your activism or were you always just like an outspoken person? Yeah, I was always pretty outspoken. To be honest. Um, yeah, like I've just always kind of been that way. My my family, <clears throat> my dad's black from the Midwest. My mom's white from Scotland. So I kind of rode this sort of um, ethnically ambiguous line my whole life. And I was told things, you know, called things uh, that I was not, you know, told told that I would never be things that I wanted to be. And sort of um, having to really represent myself in a, in a, in a very strong sense and, and, and speak for myself in order for people to to know uh, who I really am and what I'm about was kind of necessary for my sort of at least survival early on uh, socially. So I've always kind of been, um, you know, pretty, pretty big loudmouth. So, uh, <laughs> but I've also always tried to understand, you know, that there's, that it's not just the way I think, you know, it's not just what I feel. It's not just what I experienced, but, but also not being afraid to talk about those things that I have felt and experienced. What was your upbringing? Like, you know, what kind of a kid were you? I mean, I was a. Uh, I grew up in Inglewood, California, and um, you know, I, I certainly involved myself in some of the uh, typical activities uh, <laughs> that that seem to be, you know, um, endemic to to Inglewood, which is, you know, I I grew up around some violence. I grew up around, uh, you know, a huge, like greatly disadvantaged demographic, um, and and what that did for me, you know, also like aside from getting me into some trouble as a youth, you know, it also made me question why, why, did, why are we born into this? And, and why do we, uh, be, why are we placed in something that seems socially engineered to keep us down? And it, and it forced me to understand that if I was going to leave, if I was going to get out of that, if I was going to improve my situation, I had to understand it first. So it really prompted me to try to understand my situation and uh, sort of the systems that revolve or orbit around my situation and, and see how I can, use them to my advantage and, and also how to navigate through them so that I don't continue to be disadvantaged. When you're questioning all those things during your upbringing, you know, who are you, who are you looking towards for answers? You know, was there anybody that was giving you that information? Uh, yeah, man, it was, it was the books. It was a lot of reading and studying and then music, you know, as, as cliche as it sounds coming from an artist, like a musician, like music is what taught me, how to express how I felt. And it was also what taught me that not everything, you know, that you read or everything that you see is, uh, is the, is the, is the gospel or the big two truth, you know? What, a, what books do you remember reading and what like music really inspired you during that time? You know, I, I, the one, I just, I said this in another interview earlier, one of the biggest pieces of change that I got, was in high school with a teacher in my, my 11th grade advanced placement history, American history class. His name was Mr. Leith. And Mr. Leith taught us alternative, or it wasn't actually the alternative history. It was actually the, the, uh, the correct history on our country, how we got here and how we made our, sort of how we built this, this nation on the backs of others by um, you know willingly choosing to subjugate and using and, and, and uh, exploit people's bodies, you know, in the name of, of uh, you know, a, a 
of finance and commerce and also just uh, uh, to, to build a country that, well, the country that we see today. And so for me, it was a lot of, honestly, it was just a lot of education, you know, at school, reading. And then as I got older, you know, things like James Baldwin, obviously, um, artists like Nina Simone um, were really big to me. And Billie Holiday, like things like uh, Blood on the Leaves, like things like that, that seem so, sound so beautiful to me and try to almost like allure me or like intoxicate me to listen to them because of the, their melody and because of their, their sway. And then sort of listening to the lyrics and going, oh my gosh, this is so much deeper than what I actually, what I was, what I thought I was singing to, you know, things like that. And of course, you know, the gods, you know, Rage Against the Machine, right. creating like a crossover music that's like funky and heavy. And then talking, spitting real shit over, you know, over that music was also something that inspired me very young, like sixth grade. Right. When did you first start to get get the music bug and want to like start doing music? Um, my father was a, a musician um, when I, you know, he, he was in Little Richard's band and he played with War and, and he nice. did his own solo career and things like that. So. From the very beginning, man, my, and and because of his experience in music, where he kind of got the 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 shit end of the stick, he kind of um, him and my mother tried to. Sorry, my kid's wilding right now. Um, <laughs> him and my mother, <laughs> him and my mother tried to like they made music seem a little bit more taboo, and because of that, I was really sort of, I was really inclined to. I, I wanted to know what it was, you know what I'm saying? Like that forbidden fruit shit. So. From a young, a young age, like very, very young age, sneaking in my dad's garage and play his guitar and his keyboards and and all that shit. Um, and then I got a guitar when I was like, I was like 12. They finally gave in and got me a musical instrument, and it was like, you know, just kind of, it was all on from there. What was the What was the first like serious thing that you did in music? You know, do you remember like the first thing that you ever wrote or the first show that you ever did? What was the first serious thing that you ever did? Yeah, my dad had this crazy idea that I was going to be like a child, like kind of like Star who like sang and rapped and shit. So, <laughs> yeah, we wrote this song called School is Cool. Um, <laughs> fuck, man. <laughs> when I was like 10 or something, maybe nine, right. nine or 10. And we wrote this song and we were like, we, uh, I remember we went to like, like Paramount Studios or something and we sat in at this, I think it was like all these different administrations and some like labels and whatever. And they came to like watch me perform this song called School is Cool. And um, obviously they didn't like it too much because ain't shit happened from that. So uh, <laughs> um, that's like the first time I did. I, re I remember performing really. Right. When I listen, you know, I've been, uh, I've been having, I had a um, advanced link to the new album, uh, Strength in Numbers for the past week and really, really dig it. And when I'm listening to it, I, you know, I hear your activism, I hear this rebellious uh, tone to it, but also I hear like this other side of, um, of hope on the other side of it. You know, talk about your songwriting and, and having this sort of, you know, you know, diversity in the, the content where you feel the rebellion, but you also feel the hope behind it. I mean, you got to, right? Like, otherwise, if you, if, if you believe that everything is failed or is, 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 is like doomed and, and, uh, yeah, I think that if you believe, you know, if you believe that if there's something 
positive at the end. You know what I'm saying? If there's something that you are working towards, then you can, you can maintain the, the effort. But you know, if you, if you sit there and believe that, that everything you do kind of is, is, um, you know, I guess scheduled to fail at some point, then I, you know, I don't think that I would have the same sort of, uh, I guess, uh, excitement or I wouldn't feel as encouraged to, to continue on. So, and also, man, like I've seen it, right? Like I'm from, like, I'm from, I grew up on welfare, you know, right next to the project housing. Um, and now I, I don't live that life because of, you know, because I, I tried to inform myself and I tried to understand and I, I tried to take the opportunities that I was given to change my, my situation. And, and, and luckily I was able to do that, but I also understand that, you know, systemically a lot of situations and people and demographics are, are, are literally put in a position where they can't do that or they're held back so far that it's actually quite like, again, by way of policy, it makes it much harder for people to do that. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying that everybody should just pick themselves up and leave. I'm saying that what we should do is understand it and understand there is a sense of hope. And, and maybe that sense of hope can really, uh, can, can guide us, can be our guiding light towards what we want to see changed. When you're able to, you know, take what you learn and better your life, you know, do you still, you know, feel like the pain that you had when you, uh, of the way you grew up as, you know, when you were younger and how do you sort, how do you sort of keep that, you know, in your, you know, in your mind, in your chamber, in your feelings when you're, you know, writing music still, when you've been able to, you know, do better things in your life? Well, I think it would be remiss and and negligent of me to pretend like I didn't experience these things before before I got to you know and and here's the thing is I still experience these things like whether I like it or not like my hair is you know is more coarse and my nose is wider and I'm I look a lot more tan than my white friends so no matter what like I carry these whether I whether I, I choose to carry the experience with me the whole time you know phenotypically my physiognomy I. I am who I am. And to some people that is an, an, a, immediately some sort of red flag or an assumption that would be made about who I am. And I realize that and I understand that. And I don't, I don't harbor that feeling um, to, to, to carry a sense of contempt. I carry that so I know how to, how to act accordingly and how I can navigate, again, these scenarios, how I'm supposed to get through it. And also my experience is someone else's experience my my past is is someone else's present and because of that i need to make sure that i offer representation that's like what i'm here to do right that's as an artist i'm here to hold a mirror up to the world and say this is what's happening or at least as i see it so i'm just trying to offer representation when it comes to all that with someone who has such a, a you know a diverse biracial background that you do do you often get the what are you question and what, you know, and does it, does it bother you or, you know, how do you react to that? I, yeah, I get it all the time. I'm like, I say I'm like ethnically ambiguous. I could be anything from like Latino to Persian, black, white. Like <laughs> it's always, it's always a question and, and I, and I get it. I understand it. And, um, or I, I, I'm, I'm, I guess it's more so I, I am used to it, but, um, I just say what I am, you know, I just say, uh, I'm a person of color. My father's black, my mother's white. I, you know, I, I, I serve as like a double agent racially, you know, <laughs> I've, I've seen both sides of the fence. Um, 
And uh, I try to inform people. I try to, you know, explain to them what that kind of, you know, that sort of identity is like and the experience that I've had and, 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 and try to hope that they, you know, there's a sense of understanding and, and, and you can see why people, why my perspective is as it is. Going into the album Strength in Numbers, what was sort of your mind state about what you wanted to do? What did you want to talk about, themes and whatnot? And do you feel like you were able to accomplish it or accomplish more of it? Yeah, man, my whole the whole idea was power, right? It was a sense of a sense of power that I wanted to uh, reallocate from the uh, from a system that I feel again is leveraging it against us. I want to take that power and I want to give that back to the people in a sense of empowerment through you know, through a audio manifesto, if you will. So with this album, I just wanted to offer. Represented. I wanted to offer, uh, you know, the project as a, as an advocate for people that feel displaced or feel like they, they don't have a space to, to be who they are. And at the end of it all, I wanted to offer again, like I wanted all, all this, this sense of power, the power that we hold inherently that we possess as people, I wanted people to recognize that. And I also wanted them to know that I see them and that I believe them and I believe in their efforts and I believe in what they want to change. And I believe in, you know, the things that they, they, they want to speak about and they want, you know, they, the stories they want to tell and they, the stories they want told. Um, this album is that man, it's, it's really my effort to offer, uh, a sense of power back to the people. And in return, what do you want the, the people to do with this knowledge, with this music, or just in general, you know, in, in this sort of activism way? I want them to acknowledge it, man. I want them to feel as though they're, they're not alone. I want people to understand, again, that these are truths, even if, it's, if, if they're not self-evident to someone, if, even if they're not something that you've experienced, even if it's not something that you can see immediately, understand that that experience is truth and the, these are these are the experiences of many people um, I want to offer a space for people to extend a sense of empathy so that we can feel included and so that everybody can feel included in the conversation I want to to promote discourse I want to promote conversation even when it's uncomfortable I want people to be able to really uh, exist w within I'm sorry exist amongst each other and understand that we do we do have differences and we do have disparity, but I would rather focus on the things that we have in common, or at least I'd rather focus on an effort to understand rather than highlight our differences. What's your advice about how people can have conversations, whether even if they're uncomfortable? Um, you know, man, it's just understanding that sometimes that's the nature of, of, of the, of the game, isn't it? Like sometimes you know, the uncomfortable conversations are the ones that we need to have uh, because they hold such a weight um, that has been sort of, I guess, moving us uh, forward or backwards or left or right. You know, the, the, the weight of that, that discomfort is probably because it's a very, very real scenario and it's very, uh, it's going to be effective if it's discussed. But, but because of that, the, the, the discomfort is a hurdle that we have to get over first in order to have that conversation. And I think also we've we've got we've sort of honed in on the sense of complacency as a people where we feel as though well maybe we can just um, act as if it's not there or just pretend like we're okay with it and and just get along. But you know I think that that's where the imbalance of power lies is that we are allowing society become to become more complacent and uh, and, and with with these things that 
you know, that we should be discussing. So I think, you know, I think that the hard conversations are the ones that we need to have. How do you go about speaking your mind in a music industry where at times many people might not feel the need, the want, or even have the space to speak their mind? You know, I, I mean, honestly, man, I'm not even thinking about the industry when it comes to like speaking my mind. I'm, I don't, I don't think that the industry necessarily, you know, uh, should be the arbiter or the moral arbiter or the societal arbiter, you know, telling us what we can or can't say or what we should be saying or how we should say. It. I don't think that the industry has any real place other than the, the other than they should allow us to uh, a platform to do it. And they should be the ones that are, you know, feel lucky enough to have people out there talking about some real shit that'll really affect uh, change beyond just the pocketbooks or people's wallets. You know, I don't I don't really think that the industry has, uh, you know, any, uh, uh, you know, any um, I guess they shouldn't feel like that they, they can influence us not to say not to speak our truth. And, and, and that's just being real. You know, I, I just don't think that I don't think that the industry is any place for um, someone who wants to be authentic, I don't think that uh, they should feel uh, detracted from or they should compromise their authenticity due to what the industry wants. That, that to me is just crazy. Right. When, when you look back to in your life, in your career, is there any sort of a nugget of knowledge that you could pass on that anybody listening to this interview, whether they know your band or even like music or they might even be from a different, their artistry might be in a whole different avenue, that they could, you know, t take that little bit of nugget of knowledge and apply it into their own life? Yeah, man, is that you possess a sense of power that is uncanny, a sense of power that can truly shape and shift and affect uh, the world. But, but, but it starts with your own world. It starts with, with you. It starts with understanding and recognizing that power, understanding where that power is most effective, where it's, where it's the strongest within you or in your efforts understanding that whether you're an artist or you're a painter, like literally someone who paints houses or you're a carpenter or you're a fucking fence builder, whatever you are, if you are able to take that sense of power and understand and be happy with who it is you are or who you want to be and use that um, as, as fuel to, to accomplish who you want to be, then that to me is a sense of happiness and a sense of understanding of one's own self that'll make it easier for you to accept everyone around you. And, and, and then that energy um, you'll, you'll be responsible for a much more, uh, positive energy for everything around you. How do you feel like someone can find their own power and how did you find your power? Uh, representation, bro. Like I saw people that looked like me, that sounded like me, that felt like me. And, um, I was offered a sense of representation and, and I saw it, I saw in the books, um, the, the, the alternative learning that I got, you know, uh, when I wasn't seeing faces like mine, or, or like my family or my community in the in the history books uh, with the successes, with the riches, um, you know, with the sort of uh, with the, the 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 bringing up of, of various societies. You know, when I stopped, when I started seeing people like me doing great things, um, I realized that I also have power like that. And I think that that's kind of hopefully what we can offer is, is, is that we represent people and the people and, and we represent a sense of like, again, that sense of power. And, and really trying to show people that we we understand what it's like to to not have that or to feel like we don't have that power. And we're just trying to initiate that uh, within them. 
in your opinion, how do you fight for representation and how, or how do you create representation? Talk about shit. You know what I'm saying? You be there, you show, you show your face, you be proud to be who you are. You'd be proud to be where you are when you're there. You know what I'm saying? Like you, uh, you, you share your story, you share yourself with others that, that, that look like you as well as don't look like you. You, you must, um, present your, your sense of representation to, to any and everyone when given the opportunity. I think that that's what it's about, you, you know, uh, spreading it and expanding this idea of what it is you believe in and why you believe in it. Um, I think that that's how, you know, that, that's how you, you offer representation and you, and you're mindful, you're, you know, you're cognizant of, of, of yourself, what you represent and, and also, those around you and what they represent. I think that we must acknowledge other, uh, other pieces of, of this bigger puzzle of representation as well. Cool. Before we get out of this, uh, before we finish this interview, is there anything else you would like to, you know, share about the band or the new album strength in numbers? You know, I honestly, man, I just think that I want people to know that this project is somewhere for them to feel safe. And all people, I really do mean it. I mean all people, whether you are antithetical to my beliefs or not, you're, if you feel like you're an inherent adversary, whatever it is, everyone, we would like to, to invite everybody to involve themselves in this project in a safe manner, in a, in, a, in a way that we encourage discourse, encourage the conversation in order to move that conversation forward. Um, and, and again, uh, various types of representation, and I want people to feel free to be who it is they are and who they want to be. And, and, and that's what you can find with this project. Great. Yeah, it's been great talking with you, uh, Jason. Where can people Thank go you, online to get more information? They can go to uh, uh, fever333.com or fever, I guess, yeah, they can go there. Uh, you, you know, we're on all the platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, or you can hit us up directly too. We try to, we try to speak to as many people as we, as we can, whether that be on social media or um, in person. So, all right, that that's great, man. Like I said, I love the new album. It's my kind of Thank shit. You, I'm excited to uh, hear more from you guys, and uh, good luck with everything. Thank you, brother. I appreciate your time. Thank you. So that was my interview with Jason Alon Butler, vocalist of the band Fever 333. Right now, they are on tour with Bring Me to Horizon, which his new album is amazing. And Thrice, who always puts out amazing music. So check their website, which is fever333.com, for more information about those tour dates. And like always, you can go to the show notes for this podcast episode at freshesthepodcast.com for all the links to be able to follow Jason Alon Butler and Fever333 online, along with uh, the stream and purchase uh, links for Strength in Numbers. It's definitely an amazing album, and I definitely love it. It's already one of my favorite albums of 2019, and it could end up in my top 10 when the year closes. All right, that's another episode of Fresh of the Word in the Books. Thank you for listening, as always. See you next week or whenever the next episode drops. <laughs> Goodbye and good night. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.